Hey guys, and welcome to What Was Her Name? The show where I will uncover the stories of domestic abuse survivors. I'm your host, Maya Hooper. On today's episode, I'm joined here with my guest, Cindy. Uh, Cindy, thank you so much for submitting your story. Uh, I know your story will impact so many people. Hi, thank you for having me. Of course. Uh, Well, um, my name is Cindy. Like you said, I am 31 years old and I met my ex at first eight years ago at a bar, but nothing came of it. And so I reconnected with him in the summer of 2019 and I, I knew his name, um, or knew of him. So when I saw him, I just really was like, Oh, I've seen you before and you're attractive. And that's basically all I thought. And then, um, the day I reconnected with him, he ended up messaging me on Facebook and that is how we reconnected and started dating. Um, and I have been out of the relationship just under six months now. Um, so at first it was, I mean, I had never felt that way about anybody in my entire life. I mean, I, I thought this was it. Um, I was 28. I, you know, I'm from the South. So I was the minority of my circle in not being married. And I was like, okay, finally, this is my time. I found my person. Um, he was fun, you know, great sense of humor, super charming, super attractive, had a great job. I had never been with anyone with a great job. And so it was kind of nice at first. Um, and he really just made me feel so special. Like I was the only person in the world. And, um, he, he heavily relied on me very early on, which knowing what I know now that makes total sense. Um, but at first I thought it was endearing. Um, we, we liked the same things, same sports teams, hobbies. We had very similar personalities, um, the same goals in life. Uh, we started talking about houses and marriage and kids and, um, boats and RVs. I mean, like sending each other houses that we liked, I mean, within the first few months. And, you know, I, I thought, it's moving kind of fast. And, um, so, which I liked it, but I was, you know, a little concerned, I would say. And I even looked it up. So he, um, he has a kid and I, I Google everything. And so I just Googled that kind of behavior of someone that has a child and, uh, people that have children are known to want to move quicker because they have a better reason to settle down. Right. It's not just them. They're looking for someone to help them raise a child and for stability. And I thought, um, you know, I thought it was great. I loved it. (laughs) Um, I've always wanted to be married and have a family. So, um, you know, I fell in love with him quickly. I fell in love with his son quickly. Um, and you know, within the first few months, something I didn't like, but that I just looked past, he said he would only give me one pregnancy And I've always wanted three children. I don't know why I'm, you know, I don't have three siblings. I just, I like that number. And so when I got with him and he had a child already, I thought, you know, my sister, we all 
get blessed with twins and I'll have my three kids like I wanted. Or, you know, to be honest, um, <laughs> I love children, but when you are around one a lot, they're a lot. And I was like, well, you know, maybe I only want one. And so the one pregnancy is fine. Um, and then he told me I could either decide if I wanted to do it within one year or five years from now. And this was about month, I don't know, four or five. And so I kind of freaked out a little bit. And of course I didn't really say I was freaking out, but in my head, I was like, okay, I'm not married. Like we're not married. I haven't even dated you for half a year yet. Um, but I, I, I mean, I was already head over heels for this guy. So my mindset was just like, okay. And I, I think I said five years and then I tried to change my mind. Of course there was a fight. Um, and he gave into it and said, it's okay. You know, we don't have to go by that. That's just what I prefer. You know, just acted like, you know, everything was fine. And, um, I looked past it, but now I can see it's, it was all a form of control. So yeah, the, the red flags were there from the very beginning, but I just looked past them. Um, and I, I mean, that was one red flag, but when I really started to realize that, um, I wasn't in a relationship like I'd ever been in before one, because of the way I felt about him and the way he clicked, but two, uh, it was just the, the, the type of things that he would say to me. Um, and basically it, it started with verbal and emotional abuse, but then it escalated to physical abuse over time. Um, so we dated for two years and um, I'd say around five months in, he just started getting extremely angry for the smallest thing. And the first thing that I remember, um, he worked out of town and a lot. Um, well, every time he worked, he was out of town and he had animals. And so I would go over and watch the animals and just stay at his house. And it was in the beginning of the pandemic. And so I was working from home and I needed her, his home. And I needed help with the Wi-Fi, and he just—I called him and asked about it, and he was actually on his way home, and he just like just ripped my head off over the phone over the Wi-Fi and said, "I don't need you bothering me with this stuff, this kind of stuff when I'm on a job. You know that I'm stressed out. You know I have so much more to worry about. You figured it out yourself." When in reality, like I—I I don't live there. I don't know your Cox login information. I really couldn't figure it out myself, and I had to work, so I was already you know, a little stressed out at this point. And that's the first thing I remember. And from then on, it was every like disagreement was just a full blown screaming match and something terrible would be said by either him or me. You know, I was not innocent at all. I, I turn, I've said and done things that I, I, <laughs> I still look back and have a lot of shame about, um, because it wasn't me that was, I mean, it, you know, it was, but when you're around someone that's just completely just angry at you all of the time and, and just calling you things and saying things to you, you kind of, you really do turn into a different person. Um, so we could never have a calm conversation. Um, he, his demeanor with me when we were fighting, I, he would always yell uh, and my father always yelled. And so I was already very triggered by that. And I told him this. Um, just as a kid, I'd always hear my dad yelling at my mom and or my mom yelling at him. And I just don't like being yelled at. It's, it doesn't get anything accomplished. Um, but he always yelled. He would, uh, so I would sit down 
and kind of like curl up into a ball, like hold my knees or, or just sit there with my hands crossed and he would stand up. So he, and he's very tall. And so his, he was always standing over me like a dominance stance. And, um, I didn't like that, but I didn't get up. Um, he would slam his fist on things. So he punched walls a couple times, punched doors. Um, we'd usually fight at his house in the living room. So the coffee table was always there. Um, he would say things like, if you don't like it, get the F out, which of the relationship I heard that. I mean, I even had a conversation with him about that phrase. That's how often I heard it because it hurt me. And, you know, at times I would leave. I mean, we broke up twice and, you know, he'd take everything back. And I'm like, well, you can't, you can't say something like that. And then not mean it. Right. And, and it's also obviously very hurtful to hear something like that. Um, multiple times he threatened that I couldn't see his son again. He, one time he broke up with me in front of his son. I mean, that was terrible. I mean, we were at the lake and his son was sitting on a curb and he was on the phone with his friend saying, she's out of here. I'm going to drop him off and then we can go drink. I mean, like in front of a five-year-old and me. And then when we got in the car, he just took it all back and, or no, he pretty much gave me a choice. He was like, cause I had plans. I, I was like, okay, I'm going to go see a friend or not see a friend. I'm going to, you're going to drop me off and I'm never going to see you again. That was my stance. And he's like, look, I can either take you to her or you can figure it out. <laughs> and in all in front of the kid. And I said, I'd, I'd like to figure it out, which I did. I should have left, but I did want to figure it out. Um, so I stayed with that too. Um, I mean, there, he never wanted to fight in front of his son, which I do understand that to a point, but at the same time, his son would see us have, you know, clear, clearly there was tension in the room. He would see it. Kids are so much smarter than you think they are. And he would never see us make up. And I've learned that through therapy. I never saw my parents make up. I saw terrible things happen nothing physical, but definitely verbal abuse, definitely threatening divorce all the time, but I never saw them make up. It was just like, it was brushed under the rug. And I, I really feel like that's played into me as, as an adult. And I tried to explain that to him. Like, I don't want to fight in front of the kid, but you can't just fight and then say, Oh, don't worry about it. It's fine. You know? And, but, but when he was mad, he definitely made it known. But if I did anything in front of his kid, it was, it was game over. But I, re- I do remember one time he was yelling at me on the phone and I eventually that day went to his house and his son, we were in a room playing and he was like, was, were you the one my dad was yelling at on the phone? And I was, <laughs> I mean, he doesn't really yell at anybody else. And um, I don't think I, I didn't say yes. I, I honestly forgot what I said. That was in, now that was a year and a half ago, but I mean, that broke my heart because I don't know what he was thinking about by that because kids normally side with their parents and I've never had to tell a five-year-old that their parent was yelling at me over the phone and for them to see it so much to know it was probably me. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was, that's the light stuff. Um, That being the light stuff, I think that is like the precursor to the next period of the 
your story, you know, that you're going to share, like, um, the three instances in your journey where, um, they stood out to you through, throughout the time that you were in an abusive relationship. Um, but I think it's just really something important to highlight that, like, that is the light stuff. Um, but just because in relationships, there is the light stuff, the toxic unhealthiness, um, like the swearing and, um, the, um, like short fuse and, uh, just the disrespect, like, um, all of these things added, added up together, um, over a period of time, it's really a precursor to there being in the future, uh, larger forms of abuse, uh, and it doesn't always mean that, like, it's not like a hundred percent, that's what's going to happen. But the chances are very high that, um, you know, if a relationship is starting off like this and there are, uh, you know, there's this level of like toxicity happening, uh, the chances of it developing into soon it's going to be, he's not going to be hitting the wall. He's going to be hitting your face or he's going to be throwing objects at you or, you know, um, it's going to just continuing to manifest in different ways. Um, but I think a lot of people defend like their relationships because they're like, well, this is just the light stuff. Like this is, this isn't, um, the big stuff. Um, and that's how it starts, you know? And I think that's why I think like your story is really powerful and really helpful for people to listen to, because, um, I think it's good that you like started with the light stuff, like you said, and led with that, because those are very common, very relatable things in a a toxic relationship. Um, and as you explain more about your story, I think it's a warning for the, like the people who are listening, who could relate to that because, um, it, it usually starts with the light stuff, right? Like you don't expect, and you don't think that it's going to digress into such a, a physical, physically abusive relationship. Oh yeah. I definitely agree with everything you said. And, um, He's, he was a very typical, very on-brand love bomber as well. Um, and it's very hard to leave something like that because like I mentioned at the very beginning, he made me feel like I was the only girl in the world. And I thought, I, I mean, I still think he's, well, <laughs> his attractiveness to me has gone down, but I still think he's in a very attractive, a very attractive person. And that's part of these the abusers. I mean, I've read so much. They, they're charming. They're attractive. They're successful. They know what they're doing. Uh, and, but it's hard when I kept seeing him and see this very tall, very handsome man saying, you know, I love you and I want you there for me and my son. And I want you to be my wife and stepmom. And then, you know, we'd have the biggest blowout fights and he would send me a house that he liked the next morning on Facebook. And, just act like it never happened. And it's so hard to walk away from that, especially just in my mindset. I mean, I was, I'm still one of the only single people I know. And I keep saying that, but it's, it's so hard to just be around families all the time and not have it. And I wanted it so bad and I loved him and I loved his son. And so, you know, like I, I lost two people in this and, um, it was so hard to leave it. So, what you're saying is, is very true, but, um, yeah, it's, it's not easy. I think, um, I think there's oh, also, I just wanted to say like, there's nothing wrong with still finding him attractive. Like 
because there is, I mean, you loved him and you went through and experienced something really traumatic with him. And I really struggled for a really long time leaving because I loved my ex so deeply at the time. And so I just want to like affirm you though, that over time, um, something I did was I, I prayed actually for God to decrease my affection for him and to decrease my attraction for him, almost to like put a bad taste in my mouth for him. Um, and obviously to be able to heal and grow, um, And I really, I really in my own life saw that decrease and, you know, that affection and and attraction towards him, it was entirely removed. And I really believe that that was, that was God. I think time had a lot to do with it as well, but I think a lot of people feel guilty, um, after they leave an abusive relationship because they're like, how could I feel like attracted to this person who treated me like absolute crap? But that's like super normal. Like you said, like he was incredibly charming and he made you feel like you were the only girl, you know, in the world. And, and when somebody um, seeks you out like that and makes you feel like you are so special, which of course you are special, but everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wants to be treasured. Everybody wants to be chosen, right. And picked as like the first option for some, for somebody. And that's what he did. Yeah. I just think it's so normal to just have like that attraction towards somebody. And even when it's in a toxic relationship where that individual is toxic, because there's also a trauma bond that's formed through the trauma that you've experienced with him that actually increases like the attraction that you have towards somebody who's super normal to have to still have that like lingering attraction even after you left an abusive relationship yeah yeah well thank you I haven't tried praying for that (laughs) um I pray for him and that's that's still honestly that's it's tough to think those words but I I mean I still want the best for him but it's it's still hard to say um but yeah I will definitely try that. Um, so when the physical stuff started, so there were three different instances. The first one was the lightest and I honestly can't tell you when that was. So the second one was in March and I do know that. Um, so the first one I'd say was probably January or February. Um, of last year and um drinking was a huge part of our relationship um I used to drink way more than I do now um I've always wanted someone that can go have a good time um not to the extent that we got to but um just just relax and have a drink or two like I you know it would be nice to find someone that could do that without being completely crazy Um, but he definitely does have some problems with alcohol. And then with my personality, I guess I, I have really bad FOMO. I want to hang out. I want to have a good time. I want to 
be part of the crowd. And so the more he drank, I would drink more. I would go out on weeknights. I have an incredible job, um, which my job was never in danger of being lost or anything. But, you know, I just did things that I wouldn't normally do just to be with him and to fit in with his friends, um, which ironically were five years older than me and still going out every night. But I just went with it. And so alcohol was always a bad problem. And then the first the first night that something physical happened, um, we were discussing something. I was sitting on his bed and this is one of the nights that he punched holes in the wall or no, sorry, it was his bedroom door. And I remember his son coming over early the next day and I had to clean the blood up. I asked him to, he didn't. So obviously I wasn't going to let his son see that. So I cleaned it up. Um, but he, he was very angry about something. He was blackout drunk because he's, well, he says he doesn't remember what he did. So I'm going to assume he was, or he was lying. Either way, he was very intoxicated. Um, we were fighting and I was sitting on his bed and I had, uh, I was leaning up against the headboard and he just came and put his head, like his forehead on my forehead and just rammed it into the wall or into the headboard. And um, so I didn't have any scars or anything. It hurt, obviously he's twice my size. Um, but I just, I, I think I pushed him and then I went and slept on the couch. He passed out in his bed. Didn't remember it the next morning. Allegedly, I explained it to him and said, you know, you, you got physical with me, no matter how small it may seem, no matter how, you know, whether or not you remember it, there, there was physical violence there. You hurt me and I, we can't have that. Um, obviously he apologized. It would never happen again. He didn't remember it went on. I didn't make him feel terrible for it. Um, so that was the first time. And then the, sorry, go ahead quickly. I just want to know, um, if, I don't know if you listened to, um, I don't know if you listened to Joanna's episode, but she actually mentions her ex when he was physically violent, he would actually pre warn her and say, I'm about to black out. And he would claim that he wouldn't remember yourself and it makes you question your experience. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even, even as you know, we move forward with the story and there were two other physical instances. I, I brought that first one up. I would say like, this is the second time now, this is the third time now. And, you know, he'd kind of dismissed the first time just because, you know, he quote unquote, didn't remember or, there, I couldn't ever prove it. Right. I didn't have any scars. I didn't have videotapes like I do with the other two. I mean, so yeah, I, and I, I've listened to all the episodes. They're incredible. Um, Mm. in the best way they can be, but yeah, I, it's, you know, I, I would say it's kind of like a form of gaslighting in a sense, because I did question, you know, well, maybe it wasn't that bad and I was drinking too. So maybe I just, you know, I don't know. But yes, what you're saying is correct for sure. Yeah. Um, so the second time, um, my friends had an engagement party and it was about a mile from my place. So we stayed at my place afterward. Um, we drank obviously. And my ex-boyfriend is part of, not the one I'm referring to in the story, but a, one from years prior is in the group, the friend group. And so he's always around and, um, he was at the party naturally and they, 
are similar in a lot of ways. Now, my prior ex did never did anything physical, but like the things they like, their demeanor, their looks actually, um, their senses of humor, they they have a lot of similarities. And so naturally, like they're playing a drinking game and they're both very cocky. They're both very loud and arrogant. Uh, I need to find a new type clearly, but um, they were playing a game and I wasn't even there. But when we got back to my place, my ex said that he needs to in, you know, a different form of words, he said he needs to get beat up. And I defended him because no, he doesn't. He didn't do anything wrong. You know, he's never done anything to you. He's never said anything to you. He doesn't need to get beat up. And so he got mad at me, said I still had feelings for him. Um, he called me some kind of, he, he, frequently called me names when I was drinking. One time he said I was acting like a drunk 14 year old. Um, oh, I think this time he called me a stupid sorority girl. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're like a, a drunk, stupid sorority girl. And at this point I had been drinking. I didn't understand where any of this was coming from because we had a great night. I mean, I had such a good time. These are my best friends. He got along with everybody as far as I knew. Um, I was satisfied. I was happy. And I, I mean, we just got home and it just exploded. And so I was pretty upset and I went to bed after he said I was a drunk sorority girl. I was just like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to bed. You can do what you want. And he, I remember him coming in with his phone. Um, I don't know if he ever recorded me, but he said he was recording me, um, to show everybody how crazy I was because I was yelling at him. I was laying in bed. He was just like, taunting me and I I'm just like dude go to bed you're you're hammered you know this isn't going to go anywhere so just go to bed and so he just wouldn't stop so I did go crazy I mean I did I got up um I started yelling at him he was getting in my face so I shoved him um his phone at this point his phone was dead and he I drove my car and he didn't have a car so he um, tried to plug in his phone and I took it and cause he was trying to get, he said he was trying to get an Uber to leave and I took it. And I, I don't know why I can't tell you why I acted like this. I still hate it, but I did. And I took it and then he shoved me into the wall and then he like grabbed my shoulders and push. I have a one bedroom apartment, so it wasn't that far, but he did push me across the living room into another wall. And, um, ironically I it was probably that week or the week before um we bought we had a dog together and so he bought me like a pet cam for when I had the dog and I was away from my place and so everything was on video and um I had the app on my phone and so um so okay so after he pushed me he took my keys and took my car and so I, I, I mean, I didn't even know what to think. I've never been physically hurt. I mean, the first time, yes, but I, I guess I felt like I had more of a handle on that. I, I really don't know, but I freaked out and I, um, like I had, I had physical stuff on like physical scars and bruises. I told them. I mean, this is like two in the morning um, and, you know, they respond what friends respond with, like, how did that happen? Was that from him? What's going on? But it was so late 
that um, I called the girl that had the engagement party and her and her fiance came and got me. Um, she actually was in a, a bad relationship before and she, um, you know, took me over to get my stuff the next day. It was over. I was done. I sent that video to my friend. She said, based on the look on his face, when he got done, like when he pushed me into the second wall, um, he kind of like stood there and looked shocked. And she said, you know, um, she also talked to him on the phone after it and said, uh, you know, it doesn't sound like he meant to do it. It sounded like it was just a bad situation. It doesn't sound like he's an abuser technically. Um, and I went with it and continued to see him after that. Um, so that was in March. And then um, sure enough, it didn't take a, <laughs> took a little more than two months to get to the third time when it was absolutely the worst. Um, so his, his ex, another reason why it was so hard for me in this situation is because his ex, which is his son's mom, um, another red flag, he talked like she was the worst person on the face of the earth from our first date. Um, I remember, I think it was his weekend and he had her take over so he, we could go on a date and she called while I was in the car and asked if he could change his plans. And, you know, obviously he said, no, I was sitting right there and, you know, he just talked so poorly about her just that she was irresponsible and, you know, every name in the book. And, um, which I know now is a big red flag if they talk bad about their exes. Um, and it was also, a lot of it was on me. Like you're so much better. I can see you being so, you know, a much better mother figure. Um, just, just hearing things like that, it kind of pumped my ego up a little bit. I did see a little bit of how crazy she was just based on, which I I don't want to call her crazy. She did do a, a few questionable things and, you know, so it kind of validated the story, um, about her. And, um, so all of this has to do with the third time, which his friend was going through a divorce or kind of on the verge of starting that process. And, um, another thing to note, he had no healthy relationships in his life. Mm -hmm. And that's probably another thing to look at. Yeah. I'll get to that later, but I mean, not one of the couples in his life were healthy, constantly fighting, constantly breaking up divorce, things like that. Nothing to judge, but I mean, you are the company you keep to a point. So it was just interesting. Um, but, um, we were talking about his, his friend. So it was the husband, um, leaving the mom, the mom or the mom moving out, getting her own place. They have three children. One of them was two months old. Maybe, um, she didn't have that great of a job. And they were talking about how she would afford the bills for, you know, to keep the lights on and the heat on for the kids. Um, And apparently that's kind of what happened with him and his ex, but she took his money and then was dating someone the whole time. So pretty bad situation. He was very jaded, understandably. And, you know, and he was just saying that his friend should not give her any money. It kind of just took the devil's advocate route, I guess. And just basically said, you know, I don't think the money's going to hurt. I don't think she's going to go shopping. I think it's genuinely for those kids. Mm-hmm. And she meet, you know, those kids, especially like a two month old, they, you can't just like take away their living conditions because the parents can't get along. Um, well, he didn't like that. And, um, we were in the bathroom, so he had a pretty small 
house. So his son's room was on the other side of the wall. And um, so we were, you know, arguing. He pretty much told me, like, I don't know anything about anything. I'm naive. I don't have the right to speak to him about any of this because I have no idea. And in my head, I'm like, well, why you could just enlighten me? Like, no, I don't have a child with anybody. I'm not separated from a, you know, my kid's father. I don't know this, but maybe you could just calmly enlighten me. But that's not really how he liked to operate. Um, he called me a few names. At this point, I kind of just lost it. Um, <laughs> he told me to get the F out again. And um he didn't want to fight around his son, even though he was yelling at me and calling me names while his son was not even six feet away. From I went in the living room. I was heading towards the door to just, okay, like, okay, I need to leave now. Um, but he was so close to my face and just like kept yelling at me. I could feel his spit on my face. That's how close he was. So he cornered me. I shoved him. Um, and this is at the, in the living room by the front door and it's like the front window. And so when I shoved him just to get him out of my face, I wasn't trying to hurt him. It's like when a five, two person shoves a six, three person on their chest. I mean, that's what happened. Um, well, he took my shoulders and then like drug me across the front of the house and out the front door on the brick. So I had like my, one of my whole arms was just scratched up and bleeding. And then, uh, he had like two steps up to his door and just threw me off the, um, the front porch. I was airborne and, um, into the front yard and he had a camera outside. And so it was on tape and he goes, are you going to call the effing cops now? Because he was referring to the first time when I didn't. Mm -hmm. And I was like, um, this guy is literally insane because I could, and I should have called the cops. Um, unfortunately I didn't have the video. I used to be signed into his thing, his, uh, video app on his house, but we fought so much that he kicked me off of it. So I didn't have it. Um, and then he ended up throwing my purse and my bag outside. And, um, one of the front or sorry, one of the neighbors across the street saw it. I saw her standing in her front room. Um, and I, <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking, but I just ran. I probably ran like a block and I don't even know if I was crying. I just ran and I didn't know what I was going to do. I went, I eventually went back. Um, and I, luckily he threw my stuff out. So I had my phone. Um, I had my car keys. I drove home, called a friend. Um, the next day I wasn't really a therapist. She was more like a venting partner. Like I just vented to her and she never really did anything constructive. Um, but she told me when I told, I told her the next day what had happened. And she said, you know, now that you're in a physical relationship, which is kind of sad that she said it that way, um, which she, you know, she never really told me you need to get out of this, but she, I knew she wasn't a fan of him, you know, just during our, th our therapy sessions, but she, you know, she said, now that it's physical, um, you need to completely cut him off, uh, cold Turkey, nothing like get your stuff. Don't go over there. Have someone go get it for you. Um, you're done. You know, it's only going to get worse. And, um, so I, I did exactly that. Um, he, so this happened around 11 o'clock at night and I came home um, one of my friends came over 
talk to me until like three in the morning. Then she finally had to go to sleep and I stayed up. I probably slept for about 30 minutes that day. I think I tried to fall asleep at seven and just like, I couldn't, my adrenaline was too high. Um, and he finally texted me at four in the morning and, um, apologizing naturally. And he just said, you know, I, I can't believe I did that. I've, I haven't slept once. I can't stop thinking about it, blah, blah, blah. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm a domestic violence victim now. I hope you understand that. Like, this isn't the first time. This isn't the second time I have been for a while. I just didn't want to see it. And I was like, this is it. Like you, I hope you understand what you did. And your son was there the whole entire time. You know, I just let him have it. Um, and then I blocked in the next day and then, um, well, so I want to note something here, like something that, that first off, thank you for sharing that. I, uh, it just makes me really sad and like, honestly, emotional, like listening to it because I don't know. I think the more that I, the more like that I understand my own worth and value, the more that I see through that lens of like others worth and value and like truly like just knowing how precious and how treasured you are. And so to hear somebody treat you like that, it makes me just, my heart just like really sad. Um, But something that I learned and something that you said, and that's why I love to do these stories because like it, it's like, whether it's just you and I having dialogue or it's somebody listening, like people resonate to so many little portions of your story or even big portions, but um, it's all very similar and it's all very um, relatable. And, you know, there's this pattern obviously where like the three instances he's physical, but like you notice that each time the physical abuse gets worse. Um, but each time after the abuse, he says he's sorry and he apologizes. And something that I had to realize, uh, and it took me like four years to even realize it, like four years, day in and day out of being abused, is that sorry and I am going to do something about it to change my behavior are two very different things. And for a really long time, I would forgive the I'm sorry's because you love them and you care for them and you genuinely hope that this is the last time. But in, in retrospect, the abuse is only getting worse and the I'm sorry's will continue, um, but the behavior is not changing. And so I'm sorry actually doesn't really mean anything. It's like, I'm going to do counseling for six months. I'm going to like give you space. I'm going to therapy, like, you know, like stuff like this. And that, that Mm -hmm. is, I'm sorry, (laughs) like it's actions. Um, but just an, I'm sorry actually doesn't mean anything. And, um, I mean, we can see it right here, uh, in your story, you know, like each time there was an, I'm sorry and an apology made and an apology accepted. And then the abuse would continue and it just got worse and worse and worse. And that's because he was 
he wasn't he wasn't sorry you know he wasn't or else he would have gotten help exactly and um actually the first time we we first broke up he kicked me out of his house after one of those explosive fights over the phone um about a year into us dating and I you know scrambled got an apartment the next week he was there and um wanted to talk and said he was going to go to therapy um even if I didn't get back with him he was going to do it for his son because he recognized that he needed help he was too angry and I believed him you know um so yeah we lasted another year but I heard I heard that so many times um and the I'm sorry thing is kind of funny because I was extremely gaslit like I mean I didn't even I wouldn't even listen to abuse like relationship podcasts because I knew exactly what I was in. And it's very upsetting to, to even say that out loud. Um, but it would be like, the title would be like narcissistic abuse, verbal abuse. I wouldn't touch anything physical for sure, but I wouldn't even listen to anything because if it mentioned gaslighting and they would give an example, I'd had it. And, um, but I would say sorry all the time because one, I was taught to do that. And two, I did mean it, but then I would mess up again and again and again, but I didn't really mess up. That's the thing. I didn't like in a normal relationship, I didn't really do anything that warranted the kind of fight that we would have. And he would say, you always say, sorry, you're never sorry. You're never effing sorry. Cause you never change. And I really thought that I was like, well, shoot, maybe I'm not, you know, like maybe this is who I am. And I started feeling like that because I constantly said, sorry, but now that I'm out of it, I'm like, I, you know, it's not like I was perfect by any means, but I, I, I didn't even like, I, I guess I was just trying to survive. And that's, that was like my thing, but yes, to your point, he, he would apologize. He would say he'd get counseling. He anger management. I mean, all of that was on the table and it just never happened. (laughs) So like in a toxic relationships, like there's like a level of emotional uh like how do I explain this I I don't know if you felt like this but over time I started to have a really difficult time emotionally handling the conflict and so I would have very heightened emotional responses because I was under high amounts of stress and I was essentially crumbling but like my calm very like like stable response to normal life and to even conflict was becoming heightened and I would feel like I'm going crazy and then I would like be upset with myself because I'd be like why can't I just respond in a healthy way, maybe if I would just not get so upset, or maybe if I just would not get so emotional, or, you know, I felt crazy, he would tell me that a lot. So I was like, maybe if I wouldn't, maybe if I wasn't crazy, then he wouldn't throw things across the room, or then he wouldn't punch this, or then he wouldn't treat me this way. Um, And you find yourself apologizing all the time. But like you said, it didn't warrant the experiences that you were having, because those two things did don't add up. But because you know, in a toxic abusive relationship, they're not, they don't want to uh, take accountability for their actions. So it's always going to be your fault. But even if, you know, you yell or you slam a door, it does not warrant the response of like, 
the temper tantrums that were happening or the physical violence. Yeah, exactly. I felt like that a lot. <laughs> yeah. Like, like if I could just be better. Um, and I, I felt like that up until probably two months ago. Mm. Um, cause I started seeing my therapist after this event. Um, sorry, I, okay. So after this event, Um, my old therapist ended up meeting him. She actually agreed with how charming he was. That made me feel very uncomfortable. So I broke that off. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, when we finally ended and then a few months went by and I still hadn't healed yet, I was like mad at myself. Um, she was like, you know, you just came to the realization that you were in a bad relationship a few months ago, because our first few months together, you were trying to prove that it's all you, it's not him you're trying to change your therapist, you're trying to change your life, you're trying to change yourself. And you pretty much came in and self-deprecated yourself all the time for the first few months. And now you're finally coming around and seeing what you got out of. So, you know, even like we finally got, we finally ended in September, but even in December, I, you know, she made that comment, like you, you basically just emotionally figured it out. So essentially give yourself like the, an insane amount of grace <laughs> because uh, I, I just beat myself up so much because I couldn't make it work. <laughs> what made you decide to finally leave? Was that last incident sort of um, like the last time for you or how did you end up removing yourself from the toxic relationship and where did that sort of begin? So, um, to answer your question, no, I didn't. Um, I blocked him for, according to him, I blocked him for 37 days. He kept track and he was angry about it. Um, and I blocked him the day that my first therapist told me to. So it was the day after. And, um, so this happened at the, it was Memorial day. So the very end of May and I blocked him until June. Um, and then I went to the mall with my friend and I, I was laying in bed that morning. It was a Saturday and I was like, base, I was thinking based on the way that he was treating me, his son being there when the fight happened, I can guarantee that there's no way he will ever want to speak to me again. And I don't see why I have him blocked, which is completely stupid, uh, irrational thinking. So I unblock him and messages just started pouring in. Like he was actively texting me. Like I didn't get the previous messages um, from when he was blocked, but it was like, I think I received a message that said something like, you're probably not even reading these, but you know, I want the best for you, blah, 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 blah. And I didn't respond at that time. I responded later. And um, then we, we talked like very rarely for a few weeks, I'd say probably three weeks to a month. And then, um, he never actively asked to get back together, but he would say things that led me to think that. And eventually I asked him, this was all over text. I said, what are you, what is your goal of talking to me? Because I, I think I said, I cannot go back to the relationship I left. And he said, I wouldn't, he said he was going to therapy Um, he said, I'm going to therapy. So I, you know, interpreted that as I am in therapy. Um, 
you know, said everything would be different as he said multiple times before. Um, eventually I ended up going over there. Um, I, we talked and I swear for the first half of that conversation, he was not physically on his knees, but basically, you know, figuratively speaking, just like, I am so sorry. I can't even explain it. Blah, blah, blah. Just, just crap. You know, it was just like a waste of breath basically because it hit a turning point. And in that conversation, the second half, it was all me and something happened where he, he wasn't yelling. He wasn't saying, you know, he wasn't hitting anything. He didn't get physical or anything, but he just was saying like, you need help. Um, you have to leave when I tell you to leave. That's the reason all this happened. It wouldn't have happened if you would have, he said, he was saying it was all my fault. Um, he told me that he went to two therapy sessions and his therapist, which two is nothing. So he may as well just not gone at all. But he said his therapist um, said that I was the verbal abuser and the gaslighter um, based on the stories that he told her, which you know, maybe, maybe she did think that because he could have turned it any which way he wanted to. Um, but that, I think that's when I decided, like, I need help. Like I went to a celebrate recovery meeting for anger management. I tried to get in an anger management class. They're harder to find than I thought, but I actively tried. Um, I changed my therapist. Uh, I did everything I could. Um, and he told me that my family and friends were the problem. Um, we had some issues with my mom, not really accepting our relationship. Um, looking back, she, she knew the whole entire time that I wasn't okay. Um, and that's why she didn't accept it, but it really got in the middle of us. Um, you know, I told my friends everything, which I shouldn't do, you you know, in this case, like, yeah, you should, you should reach out to people, but I told them everything. And so they didn't like him. Um, no one liked him, like no one on my side liked him. And, he was saying that everybody in my life was the problem. Um, I even, I mean, it sounds so insane, but I even thought like, if we could just get away, it would be fine. Like if we could just move and I didn't have the accountability anymore of seeing my family and friends, we would make it. I mean, it's, I can't even describe how embarrassing it is. One of the worst things I remember is, you know, we got in one of those fights and I still couldn't see anybody. I couldn't see his friend or his son. And so I would come over late at night and um, I did something very small that he didn't like. And he was threatening to end the relationship again before it even started again. Um, and he said, uh, fine, like, if you don't come over here and sleep with me right now, I have about seven other girls that would if I called them. And I like I stayed at my house for a little bit and then I, I don't know what I did. I got scared. I got pissed off. I'm really not sure, but I, um, I went over there and I, we didn't sleep together, but I just cried and he held me like comforting me. And it was just, uh, was a very messed up situation. I'll never forget that. But anyways, so it actually ended in September when I, it was a Friday, things were relatively calm. Like I was seeing his friends again, his son again. And, um, I'd gotten a promotion that Monday. So I was pretty excited. It was Friday. It was the weekend. I was going to spend the weekend with him. It was going to be great. Um, I get to a place with all of our friends there, his, his side of the friend group. I was having a good time. And earlier in the day, he talked about dinner and I said, I could cook pasta. And he said, 
okay, that sounds great. Well, I get to meet up with him at like five and he'd been drinking for a couple hours cause he wasn't working. And, um, so it was like 45 minutes and I was having a great time. I was in a great mood. I was excited about my promotion, my raise and just on a little high. And he was like, all right, are you ready? And I said, no, not really. I'm, I just got here pretty much. I'm having a good time. And I mean, we're at a table of like 10 people and just standing there. So there were no side conversations going on. And he was like, well, you said you'd cook dinner. And I said, well, yeah, but I mean, it's like six. Can we just hang out for an hour or so? And then I'll do it. And he said something like, you know, if you make promises to people, you need to follow through, you need to be responsible, you know, pretty much talking to me like I'm a child in front of all of his friends. And so I got angry. Um, I went to the bathroom. He ordered another shot and another beer. So when he got done with that, we left and we were in his truck going to Walmart to get the food. And I was mad and he could tell. And he said, what's your problem or something? And I said, well, you were talking to me like you were my father back there and I don't appreciate it. And he said, I'm not your effing father, but if I was, I would have raised you better than that. Mm -hmm. And I got so mad and I don't know what I said after that, but he started slamming his fist on the center console. Mm -hmm. So I just had him stop the truck and I got out and that's the last time I ever saw him. He, he would have only gotten worse. And so I'm really relieved that you got out of it. Like just hearing that you were able to say like, okay, like I, I'm done. I'm like, this is not happening again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's still the hardest thing I've ever been through the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, and even this podcast, it's it's really uncomfortable to tell this story, but it's the stories I've heard have helped me. And so I wanted to, and I'm honored to, because anything that anybody can hear to help, it's completely worth it because I absolutely could have been just like shy or just like anybody, you know, that, that almost lost their life. So um, where are you at now after having left your abusive relationship? Um. So to be honest, I'm not in, I'm still not in the best place. Um, it's been less than six months since we separated. And then since that happened, it's been less than three months. And so, um, like I said earlier, I, I went to therapy yesterday and I, I'm just laying it out all on, on the table. I mean, I, I've been angry. I've been sad. I've been unmotivated, um, and I told her and I see her once a week and she just said, you know, she gave me a questionnaire and was like, I think you have some post-traumatic stress from that night. And, um, cause it, I, I can't explain how awful that was. And I think about it all the time. And so that's when she brought up this different therapy that I can do. So I'm, I'm excited to do it and, um, just get on the path to healing, um, I haven't been interested in anybody. So that's been really hard. Not that I'm ready to be in a relationship, but it's been really hard for me to wrap my around my mind around the fact that he's pretty much living rent free in my head. Like hmm. we're done. He has no, nothing over me anymore, but I can't open up to anybody yet. And, um, that's, I'm not ready, but it does stink. You know, I've, I've met some guys and you know, they're, they're nice, but there's just nothing there for me yet. And so what I'm looking forward to is, um, just continuing on this journey, trying to take my time, um, giving myself grace when I am 
in a terrible mood um, because I have like some reasons to be upset and um, just to give myself time. And eventually I'll find someone that, you know, can listen to what's happened, but then make sure that none of it ever happens again. Like none of it, none of the verbal, emotional, I mean, physical, needless to say, but none of it. And um, someone that can just sit with me in like, if I overreact to something or am triggered by something, someone that understands it, that's who I really want to find. And so that's where I am. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, I have a lot of hope, but you know, day by day, it's, it can be tough. No, for sure. And I think it's, that's like a very real and raw response and very relatable. And I think it's hard, like, it's hard rebuilding your life again and having to work on your self-esteem and heal. And I really like appreciated what you said when you said that he's living rent-free in your head because it's hard to move on and, and, you know, you're still working through a lot of stuff. Um, but there's that desire to find somebody and I think it's, really really amazing how like you are um investing time into working on yourself though and recognizing that like you still have healing to do because it would be really easy to just like jump into relationships or just uh jump into dating um because in a way it's sort of a a form of like self-medicating um Mm -hmm. because it's easy to I mean it's hard to deal with the pain and so like by not having to deal with the pain you can entertain guys or men you know relationships to not have to deal with it um but facing it head on and working through your trauma like that's that's big um and you're out you know yeah and you're not coming back you're out yeah exactly (laughs) and that's a huge accomplishment yeah thank you yeah and I think sometimes like day by day uh, something I'm reading is like, uh, it's called the courage to heal. And the book talks about accomplishments and how survivors of abuse often have a difficult time celebrating their accomplishments because it's difficult for us to even recognize like when we accomplish something and, so in this season of healing, like even just the simple things right now, like today I got out of bed and it's been, you know, X amount of months and I did not go back to him. Like I'm going to, I'm going to rejoice in that accomplishment. Like I'm going to acknowledge that like today I brush my teeth and I brush my hair or I went for a walk or I called my friends, or I went to therapy, and I completed another session. Sometimes it really is just like celebrating those small accomplishments day in and day out, and working your way up, and working your way out and through this, because it is a journey, and it's a process, and it's going to take time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think 
I think about that a lot because I had a very bad day on Friday just mentally and then Saturday I was in such a good mood and I I was driving and I was like this feels really good (laughs) to just be like happy and I just like I was like thank you God for just this glimmer of happiness and you know like I got upset later just because of life but just when I just notice more when I'm in a good mood and it's it's really nice so that's like a little win when I have like I'm just happy (laughs) so I understand what you're saying yeah and it's when you're going through it and it's so fresh like I mean I remember the grief that I experienced like in a way grieving the love of someone who you you had built all these memories with because it's not always bad right oh yeah (laughs) in the future that you had planned um you're grieving um but it's not forever and yeah you choosing to remove yourself from that situation and and every single day waking up and choosing to work on recovering like I mean it's going to be so worth it and there will come a point where he will not be living in your head at all um it's going to be a distant thought and you know it'll pop in your head but it you'll be so emotionally removed from it and you'll start to see like I promise you like the the longer that you're out it will be just so much easier for you to distinguish things even in your head from like what was your fault and what was his or the way you responded like I didn't expect all the clarity that I would receive just through time and so if that's like any encouragement for you like he will not be in your head forever and this like you're not going to hurt like this forever like it's it's really it really is temporary yeah that helps thank you (laughs) yeah um what would be like one thing that you would say to the people listening as a tip what would be something that you would yeah I don't know highlight for them um I'll make it quick. I have a few. I definitely thought about this um, since I've gotten out. I've I, um, listened to podcasts, read books. I mean, I've done everything I, I can to learn about it and kind of just validate myself, honestly, like, oh, I wasn't crazy. Um, but uh, I think the first thing is trusting your gut, because like I mentioned from the very beginning of my story, I knew things were going on. And like I said, I couldn't listen to certain podcasts. I couldn't watch certain shows. Like I knew exactly what was going on. And, um, I prayed, like, give me a sign multiple times. Uh, he did. (laughs) Um, I just didn't listen to it. So if you think something's wrong or off, it is. Mm -hmm. And, um, learn the red flags of an abuser. Even if you think like, there's no way that the person I'm with is like that, or, you know, the guy that my friend is with is like that, uh, just learn them because they're very easy to learn. You can probably Google it. My therapist gave me a sheet on it, but, um, obviously control. So like 
talking about marriage extremely early when he told me, you know, when I could have kids, I could only have one pregnancy. Like that was, I, I found it sweet, which is insane, but that was all control. Um, rough sex is another one. Um, it's, which I, that was a big piece of him. And I even asked, it's, you know, it's kind of awkward, but I even asked about it with other girls and he said, other girls liked it until they didn't. And I always thought that was kind of weird, but yeah, I get it. Um, because who knows when they didn't like what happened to them. Um, mm. um, pay attention to their family, their relationship with their family. Um, a weird thing about me, I have never dated someone that had a good relationship with their mom, but I will say that this one was the worst. Um, and you know, mom, sisters, like those it's not a cliche. It's extremely important. It's how they treat everybody in their life, but women, especially, um, it's, it's huge ex-partners, how they talk about them, um, and try to learn how they can handle conflict. I'm going to have a big list of questions for anybody I date. I kind of feel bad for them, but like, I want to know, like, what are you like when you're angry? What's, what's your dark side? Like, what do you tend to do? And, you know, if I have to find out the hard way, it'll take one time because, I know what to look for now. And unfortunately I didn't, but I just want to um, really quickly though, like in the question I asked before, like, um, I give, so for our listeners, like I give all of the, the guests, um, questions to answer. And one of them at the end is what is your vision and dreams now? Where are you at now? And like you said, your answer, like your dream was to find yourself again, build your self-esteem back up. Like that response that you just had that is like you walking into that vision and dream and goal for your life though. Do you recognize that? Like I do now. <laughs> I hadn't thought about it <laughs> before that. You would never have said like, all. you would never ask those questions because if you would have, you wouldn't have ended up in this relationship. I wouldn't have ended up in my relationship, you know, but like that's now that's growth. Like you're literally walking into the vision and dreams that you have for yourself. Like that healing and that therapy is working because like you being in, it makes me like emotional even saying that because it's like you being able to say like to the next person that you date, like, like, you know, how do you handle conflict? You watching, how do they treat their mom and their, how do they treat waiters and staff? Like, like, are they, uh, controlling, how do they handle, you know, my opinions and what I have to say, like all these things, like that's growth. That's like, that is like you learning and growing from your experience. And like, truly like you are going to be in such a healthier place that when that person does come along, um, you're going to be able to guard yourself from toxic, unhealthy individuals, because there's more out there. And I'm just like, I don't know. I just like, it makes me just like super excited for you because like, that's just growth. And like, I don't, not everybody gets that. Like, honestly, like people still don't get that. So it's like a big thing for you to even say that. I don't know if that makes sense what I'm saying, but. No, it does. No. And I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> I've never thought about that like that, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to have a lot to talk about <laughs> before I get involved <laughs> with someone. Um, but um just a few other things for, for the listeners, um, like really pay attention to how you feel when you're around them. And when you're not around them, I was so relaxed when I wasn't around him and not that I didn't miss him, but like my, my demeanor was just completely different. 
Um, I felt relief when I was alone. Like I knew I probably wouldn't, you know, unless something happened via text message or phone call, like I probably wouldn't wake up with a headache from crying. Like I, I lived for those days because I had more of them than not. Um, the, the bad days where I woke up and had a headache from crying. I don't know if anybody else had that, but it's just, it was a, it was a regular thing. Um, mm-hmm. Are you scared to share your feelings? I could never really tell him exactly how I, I was feeling. Um, are you drinking or medicating not to feel something? I drank more and more as our relationship went on. Even when he didn't want to drink, I wanted to because I got out of what was actually happening. And that's, you know, using alcohol to medicate. And that's exactly what I did. Um, pay attention to how the people around you feel about him, even though it's annoying. Um, and you don't want to listen and you probably won't for the first few times, but really, really look at that because they know you better than, you know, yourself in, in these relationships. Like I didn't see any of this. Um, so those are my tips. (laughs) Yeah. Even if it's just choosing a couple of people, like, cause like, yeah, just choosing even like one or two people that you really trust that, you know, will give you sound advice. Um, cause I think like guarding, like, you know, not everybody, everybody has a different opinion. Um, but there's, you always have to have, I would say a handful or at least three who you can have in your life, who you give permission to speak into your relationship and, mm-hmm. and give access to like, yeah, to like allowing them to walk alongside of you when you're dating. Um, cause they're likely going to be able to see the things that you can't and you have to give someone permission because if you don't like you're bl- like, I mean, it's so easy to get blinded. Like, I mean, I mean, this whole story, I mean, like all of our stories, like if we had just, you know, allowed for people to speak into our lives, truly, um, the right people even, uh, it would have impacted things uh, in a different way. And, and maybe we would have removed ourselves sooner. Um, and so community is big for sure yeah definitely well I'm super grateful um like that you joined me here I know that your story is going to impact uh people it's already impacted me and I know that there's yeah just so much here that is going to resonate and even resonated with me I mean just like listening to you I'm like learning things about myself and my own story where I'm like I'm like, whoa, I got to like journal about that later or like <laughs> process that with my therapist tomorrow. Um, so it's all really good. Um, all right, guys. Well, next week on Thursday, um, we will be joined here with another guest who will be speaking about her domestic abuse journey. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in and we will see you next week.